Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson with me today for episode number 163 of the podcast. We've done a full season, 162 episodes, and now we're going to begin a new season with uh, the first episode of the 2017 season. Joining me to break down everything that you need to know and preview this 2017 season is my good buddy, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? Doing great, Chad. Hey, if it's going to be game 163, Al Leiter is not invited. <laughs> Oh, bringing back some bad memories from 1999. So too soon. Yeah, too so Always that's always going to be too soon. And if if you're too young to understand that reference, don't go look it up. It's just gonna <laughs> just gonna provide some heartbreak. That was a rough one. Um, episode 163, and uh, as soon as we finished up the first 162, it's pretty appropriate time to start into the next 162 because the 2017 season is upon us now. And I thought we might uh, want to preview this upcoming season, Chris. What do you think about that idea? I'm super excited to preview the the upcoming season, as long as someone will tell me who all these guys are in the Reds. What are you talking about? A lot of, a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys? A lot of new guys, anyway. I don't know how young they all are, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got the roster printed out. It's here in front of me. I've got the pronunciation key. <laughs> so, you're, so we're going to get familiar with the 2017 Cincinnati Reds. It's it's almost like you have prepared for a fantasy baseball draft, which in some ways I guess that's kind of what uh, Dick it's, Williams has done with this team, maybe. I, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about. We'll start with the opening day roster um, and talk about some of the guys that should be there that aren't there, injuries, things like that. But I guess the best place to start is the uh, the starting eight, the the eight that will be starting on uh, Monday, April the fourth, opening day. Uh, catcher, Tucker Barnhart, uh, first baseman, Joey Votto, second baseman, Jose Peraza, shortstop, Zach Cozart, third baseman, Eugenio Suarez, left fielder, Adam Duvall, center fielder, Billy Hamilton, right fielder, Scott Shebler. That's who's starting uh, tomorrow. And with the exception of maybe Barnhart, because we hope that Devin Mesoraco comes back, that's probably until Cozart is traded, you're starting eight here. That's, 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 uh, those guys, I'm, I know those guys. I've heard of them before. <laughs> yeah, you've heard of these guys. There's a couple of good players there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, do you have any thoughts about this? T- here, let me tell you what my, my position is on this uh, starting eight, especially if we can move Mesoraco at some point. He's on the 10 day disabled list. Move him back in, get him catching 50, 60% of the games, and just fingers crossed that he stays healthy. What I see there is a lot of, uh, possibilities. Um, and, and a lot of things got to go right, I guess. And I'm trying to be optimistic, probably, because it's the the season's it's just starting. Yeah, it's, it's the time to be optimistic. But I don't know. I see a lot of potential in that group. Some of these guys, I mean, we've certainly got Votto to anchor the lineup. And some of these other guys, we've got some power. We've got some speed. I don't know. I, do, do you see potential like I see out of that group? You know, so I got uh, I did a little season preview yesterday. I got the MLB, the show, 17 video game. I was playing it with my kids. And... It preloads the Cubs and uh, and Indians. Oh, so you look at those lineups, and those lineups are pretty impressive. I don't know that this is going to compete with those lineups, but I do think there's some upside with this team. And I actually think the floor isn't too low either. I, I don't think you're going to see any complete craters from, from maybe a couple of those guys could, but the starting lineup on the Reds, Reds team is, is not terrible. Not terrible is not really not a, terrible. <laughs> it's not you know, it's not giving me a lot to uh, get excited about. But but that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good way to put it in, in a lot of ways. It's it's not going to be a lineup. You look at that lineup, and that's not going to be the worst lineup in the league. And no. I think I think 
on, on the flip side, if everything goes right with these guys and they hit some of their upsides, you know, uh, Peraza, top prospect. Uh, we saw a really good the last couple of months out of him last year. He doesn't walk much, but he has great contact skills. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, I think, is poised for a breakout year. I think Scott Shebler is going to have a better year than Duvall, and Duvall was an all-star last year. So, And, of course, we know Billy Hamilton is going to be a uh, an all-star this year. So, uh, Well, I, th- I think MVP <laughs> candidate is the phrase that I like to use. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm real high on Suarez. I think uh, – I think Suarez, you, you you forget how young he is. He's still what twenty five. Twenty five, yes. At the start of the season, and uh, he's got a ton of major league time already. And uh, I think he's he's got the the power potential. You know, the interesting thing um, with baseball these days, and and I've kind of been dabbling in this area of in my you know kind of following reading online is is the the new approach to hitting that a lot of guys are taking from kind of from a mechanic standpoint. And not really about what pitches you swing at or all that kind of thing, but it's this launch angle and elevating. Right, yeah. It's the Justin Turner, mm-hmm. uh, the Justin Turner case that kind of any old utility man could revamp his swing and turn into Justin Turner or Josh Donaldson. And you just, I mean, I guess we probably would have heard about it if it happened to any of these guys, but it kind of feels like every spring, you know, Ahuini Suarez could roll out of bed and hit 40 home runs if he just makes a little tweak to his swing. Yeah, absolutely. You think about Suarez, a guy who at age 24, he hit 21 home runs last year, I believe. Uh, Going to be 25. At the same age that Suarez is right now, Todd Frazier was still in Louisville. You know, Todd Frazier, everybody loves Todd Frazier. And I love Todd Frazier. Great red. Really loved his red's career. But, you know, Suarez has already been hit uh, – Pounding home runs in the in the major leagues at an age when uh, Frazier hadn't even made his major league debut. So you're right; he's a guy that maybe just a, a tweak or something. He's already a, a fairly good hitter. A tweak or something. He, he to me, other than Billy Hamilton, and I appreciate you uh, saying that about Billy uh, there. But uh, <laughs> uh, other other than Billy, even including Billy, I think Suarez is the guy that I could see really. Uh, launching himself into the stratosphere here this year, or at least making a, a breakout, having a breakout season. And man, that. If he does that, Mesoraco's healthy and is hitting in some semblance of 2014. Nobody expects him to be that good, but if he's a can hit. All of a sudden, this lineup looks a little bit different. You got uh, Votto and Suarez, and then Duvall and Sheber both have power in the middle of the lineup. Uh, it could be an interesting lineup, anyway. I agree. I, I mean, Mez is the big the big question mark. Obviously, I mean, if he can come back and be any kind of player at all, then this does become a, a top third lineup, I think, in the National League. But you know, it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's if he's not back, you know. There's, a, I love Tucker Barnhart, but there's a big drop off offensively from him to Mesoraco when when Mesoraco's playing well. Right. Yeah, and, and that's not a criticism on Barnhart. He is what he is. I'm glad he's on the team, and uh, he's going to have a long major league career, I think. Uh, yeah, but you know, if you 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 have a guy who's probably going to who's probably a number eight hitter in the major leagues if he's playing versus right. Mesoraco's a number five hitter. Yeah, an all star. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Had one of the top uh, ten seasons for a catcher in Reds history in 2014 and i think maybe the days of that happening are maybe behind us but if he can play 60 percent of the games and be an above average hitter i think that just changes the way this lineup looks um but of course the wild card um other than mesoraka who's the wild card i think the key to whether this offense is going to score a lot of runs or not is going to be whether what we saw the last couple months out of billy hamilton is the real billy hamilton or if that was a a fluke um I know you say he's going to be an MVP candidate, and you did that for my benefit, but uh, now you've heard of Billy Hamilton. He's one of the ones you've heard of. What do you think about him? 
I, I, uh, I'm with you. I choose to, to think that the second half of 2016 was Billy Hamilton's new level. And, you know, I, there's no, there's no good in thinking the other way. <laughs> if it's, yeah. From, if you're a Reds fan, you know, I mean, if you're, if I guess if you're a Reds front office guy trying to think about long-term contracts, yeah, you may be a little more critical thinker than I am, but I choose to think that that on base percentage improvement was legit and that he's going to get on base and not have the bat, the bat knocked out of his hand. And with that on base percentage, he's a legitimate top tier player in the national league with the speed and the defense. Right. Yeah. You know, Hamilton, first of all, his, his on base percentage last year, you take the whole season was right at league average and which I never thought we'd see that. I enjoyed a story that I heard uh, last week. I guess it was. I think it was either C. Trent uh, Rosecrans or Zach Buchanan, one of the one of the beat writers, was talking about last year and said at some point last year, earlier in the year, um, they started seeing Billy Hamilton leaving the clubhouse and just and, and going out early to work, and they started started noticing that he was just initially just watching Joey Votto, not really asking him for help, just watching him. Uh, what's what's this guy do? What's you know? And then ultimately, he started asking questions, and Votto started uh, talking to him about it, and, and sort of taking him under his wing a little bit. And and Billy Hamilton's never going to be Joey Votto, but I love this uh, this idea that he's he's doing some of the things that Votto does in terms of trying to gain an edge anywhere he can, trying to improve always. And and Hamilton has to know if he can be a get on base at a three thirty clip, three forty on base percentage. He's an all-star. If he gets on base 350-360, no, no joking around, he's a legitimate MVP candidate because of what he can do with the glove, what he can do on the base paths. So, uh, so it'll be really interesting to see if he, if those strides are something that, that we're going to see long-term or if it's just something that, a little bit uh, out of his stratosphere last year and he's back to, back to normal. I don't know. He's going to be, what, 26 this year. I could see him taking a few steps forward. Well, yeah, I, I just I'm really interested to know like what it what it was that he was doing in the second half as far and I haven't dug deep into the batted ball data to know if he's hitting more line drives or knocking the ball on the ground or whatever. But you know he he walked more in the second half, but he he totally hit he totally quit hitting for power. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but in the first half, you know before the All Star break, he had a whopping 19 extra base hits, mm-hmm. three homers, two triples, and 14 doubles. In the second half, he didn't play as many games, but he only had six, five doubles and one triple. Really? So yeah, so he 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 got a lot more singles and a lot more walks, and he jumped you know his, his on base percentage like eighty or ninety points, but he actually lost like seventeen points of slugging in the second half. What's he going to bring you in slugging though? I, you know, I'd, I'd, I would sacrifice yeah. slugging for on base for him any day. Yeah, who cares, right? If it's three fifty or three thirty three, it's it's right. It's kind of trivial, really. But get him on base because because uh, those singles and walks sometimes turn into doubles and triples with his uh, with his yeah. Speed. So uh, Scott Shebler, do you have any thoughts about Scott Shebler? Uh, he's you know this is a guy that I could see. I, I think frankly he's a better. He's, I think he's going to be twenty seven this year. I think um, I see Shebler as having a better year than Duvall if they're both playing full time. Yeah, that- Shebler he'll play the whole year at twenty six. His birthdays. Well, he'll have his birthday during the Reds playoff. Uh, NLDS probably. So twenty six, yeah, that's yeah. I, I like Shebler a lot, actually. I, I was. Oh, did you, on I'm sorry. I, I hate sorry to interrupt you, but did you yeah, just say yeah. he, did you say he's going to turn twenty seven during the Reds uh, National League Division Series? Yeah, October sixth <laughs> is his birthday. <laughs> so right. 
I don't know if it'll be a game day or a travel day, but it'll be during that first round. We'll celebrate for him. Yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. I I like him better than I like Duvall, at least, you know, around the time they were both coming over to the system. Uh, I think he does some interesting things. He's got a a real nice looking swing. He's obviously a big, strong guy. Um, And we've now exhausted the extent of my scouting acumen. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously has pretty great power. And he's he's you know he never was a high draft pick but i think he made himself into a pretty good uh prospect and yeah very athletic um i think he's the equal of duvall as a home run hitter uh, i think he'll prove to be and, and duvall is you know home run derby uh, I, that's not a criticism of duvall i like duvall um what i like about shebler is he was a he played five sports in high school he's uh he's extremely athletic you can play him anywhere in the outfield even a passable center field although you might be stretching to call it passable but he's played he played a lot of center field in louisville so uh what's going to happen is how those guys start the first couple of months of the year is going to going to sort of be the uh it's going to tell us where, where jesse winker is going to be the reds top hitting prospect because uh, i was hopeful that winker would win a an opening day spot in this lineup. And, and he, he didn't, I guess, uh, I can understand it. Keep him down, especially for service time issues. But, uh, you know, what, what we're going to see the first couple of months is going to determine Jesse Winker's, uh, at least near term future. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I really want Winker in the lineup sooner rather than later, just because he's the only other guy other than Votto that can be counted on to get on base at a reasonable clip. Yeah. It's an interesting problem, isn't it? Because, you know, you talked earlier about, uh, about Todd Frazier and how Todd Frazier was deservedly or not stayed in AAA longer than, than we kind of thought he should have at the time. And you don't want to have to hashtag free Jesse Winker, you know, in May <laughs> right. of this year. Um, and you don't want to root against the Reds, the 2017 Reds. You don't want to root against Duvall or Shebler, but um, I don't know. I think long-term I'd be pretty disappointed if one of those guys kept Jesse Winker down at AAA all season. Because they, I mean, you know, again, like I said, it's a dilemma. You're not going to complain if they're both hitting the ball well and the Reds are doing doing well. But I sure want to see Jesse Winker in a Reds uniform. Yeah, I think he has to be uh, sooner rather than later. And, and you know, but the, the other the other side of that is injuries. There are going to be opportunities. Things happen. Uh, you worry about some of these things, and ultimately a decision gets made for you in that somebody gets hurt and a spot opens. So we'll see. Um, so I think we both agree some upside to the uh, to the starting eight. Uh, now let's move on. <laughs> can we just can we just stop? We we good? We might need we to stop. That, I'm, I'm, I've talked about all I want to talk about now. <laughs> we have exhausted the limits of uh, of our optimism. Uh, let's talk yeah, about this right. uh, start rotation. Hey Chris, and open, the rest <laughs> and the rest. Opening day starter, the ace of your Cincinnati Reds, Scott Feldman. Oh God, this is one of those you just you just can't uh, get too wound up about it. You know, I, I don't like the saying, but it is what it is. Scott Feldman was was brought over here. He's a veteran. Um, he's a journeyman, right? He's a he guy is 34. who he more or less is, can be expected to give you innings that aren't going to be terrible. Um, who knows? You know, if he was he was coming over to be rotation depth and to let them make a trade and get rid of Dan Straley, and lo and behold, life happens, and Scott Feldman is your Opening day starter. <laughs> yeah, when they when they brought him in as a free agent, uh, and the Reds were the last team to make a uh, a major league free agent signing, they brought him in, and and everyone said at the time, "Hey, this is a guy that we can either put in a rotation or we can move him into the bullpen because he'd pitched in the bullpen uh, recently uh, with the Astros and with the Rangers." 
or with the Blue Jays. Um, he's a guy that could be the rotation bullpen. We'll see what happens. And I thought, well, if he ends up being the fifth starter, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and then one of the young guys comes up in a, a couple months and he they move him to the bullpen or maybe they right. can trade him. Yeah, it's uh, a good piece to have around. He's a good piece. That, that's what I thought. And now he's the opening day starter. And it, it just reminds me of uh, when I get to, to work, I'm going to look up on my wall. I've got a, one of these panoramic uh, photos of the first pitch at Great American Ballpark <laughs> where the immortal Jimmy Haynes is uh, is throwing that first pitch. And the, he's I'm just, up there. We've talked, think, yeah, we've talked too much about Jimmy Haynes this week. I think this will be up there with the uh... – the time Corey Lytle made an opening day start. Oh, yes. Which I had totally forgotten about, and I assume I'll forget about this. Right. Well, yeah, probably. This will be a guy. Wait a minute. And in five years, we'll be like, Scott Feldman started opening day? Yeah. Uh, Paul Wilson. Um, yeah. So, uh, your, your rotation, Feldman, Brandon Finnegan, Rookie I like Davis. Brandon Finnegan. Let's talk about Brandon Finnegan. I thought, yeah. he sh- I thought he should have gotten the opening day start, frankly. I thought he had a good year. Uh, a lot of people think he's a reliever. I think he has a chance to stick in the rotation. I think he'll be 24 this year. Young guy. So so the deal with this, and this is one of these these things I really don't know, is it is it that they like something about Feldman, or is it just as simple as the calendar and, and Finnegan's turn wasn't coming up until later in the week? I don't know that they've been explicit about this, but my understanding is that Scott Feldman, if you can believe this, and this surprised me, Scott Feldman has started opening day for two different teams, once with the Rangers and once with the Astros. This is his third opening day start. And, I mean, nobody's ever heard of Scott Feldman. No, they, they, so they're saying they knew he had the he had the uh, the veteran moxie the to vet- withstand the pressure. Yes, he's he's just uh, slathered in veteran veteraniness or something. Uh, just uh, incredible, but uh, he can handle it, I guess. You know, we'll see. At, at some point, we're going to see a trivia question: uh, the most <laughs> obscure pitchers to throw pitch three different uh, opening days, and he made yeah. how many? Yeah. How many pitchers could there be in history that have started three different opening days for three different teams? I can't imagine there are many. I don't know. You know, you think about a guy like these days, a guy like Roger Clemens has done it for sure. And, uh, you know, back in the day, yeah, it was probably like Gaylord Perry might have been the only guy for 50 years. But I'm sure there's a few now. Do you have an opinion on bullpen versus uh, rotation for Finnegan? I've got an uninformed opinion, wild <laughs> speculation and conjecture. That's all. That's all we have on this podcast. That's something you might be interested in. <laughs> oh, I'm interested. I like it. I mean, he's got a he's got a great arm. I'm pretty much on the record as hating it when the Reds take great arms and put them in the bullpen. So Finnegan in the second half yet last year was really good in the rotation. So unless he proves he can't do it, I say leave him in there. He'll be 24 this year. I think he's younger than. Uh, Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson. I mean, it's not like this is a guy that has had. I mean, he had a, a chance, and he was up and down as young pitchers are, but uh, pretty good uh, stretch there in the second half as a starter. End of the year's last start wasn't good, but I think he was on a couple month stretch. It was really good. So, yeah, yeah. And until he shows me otherwise, you talk about some of these other guys, and we're talking about Michael Lorenzen is the guy that I just I talk about. It, I think every podcast it irritates me. A live arm that says he wants to be a starter. Why are you not giving him a shot as a starter? Because what's the downside? He has to go to the bullpen. You know, if he, if he fails as a starter, you, you still got him in the bullpen. I, I don't get it. Yeah, see, I, I'm a little bit different than you on Lorenz. And, and I know it's unfair because he was, what, 22? His rookie, or t- 23. Yeah. His first year up, he, he started 21 games, and he, he he didn't do real well. He couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark. He couldn't stop walking people. And so I was just kind of like, all right, that guy's not going to work out. Again, unfair. 
but that's kind of my where my mind's been for a long time. So then last year he came in the bullpen, he pitched well. I was like, well, he didn't he didn't do well in the one role. He did well in the other. Let's that's I'm cool. Let's leave him there. Okay, but well, does, that's, does, not right. that's not fair. But does it bother cool. you that you're wrong about that? <laughs> I, I like to be wrong. That's how I learn. So it's another learning opportunity for me. <laughs> I think about this one pitcher who at age 20 um, started five games his rookie year at age 20, uh, two and four with a 5.52 ERA. They brought him back the next season and actually let him start 27 games. He went six and 14 and had a 5.61 ERA. And so maybe they should have banished him to the bullpen at that point, but they didn't. The Chicago Cubs in 1988 let uh, Greg Max go back out to the <laughs> to the mound, and he went 18 and eight with a 3.18 ERA that year. And then the rest is history. He becomes one of the all-time great pitchers. Now, I am not saying Michael Lorenzen is Greg Maddox. I'm an idiot, but I'm not that big an idiot. <laughs> Uh, but I think he could have been a decent starting pitcher. And what flipped it for me was just that he says he wants to be a starter. You know, uh, Chapman did not want to be yeah. a starter thanks to Dusty Baker's influence, I think. Uh, uh, Iglesias, I think, wants to be a reliever, and he has the shoulder issues. So I can kind of – I think Iglesias is the most talented pitcher in the organization. But I can kind of see that. I just would like to have seen Lorenzo get one more shot. Let's see. Because if he, if he can't do it, you still got a dynamite reliever. Well, I think you're right, um, and, and this is certainly the year to try it, even before everything fell apart. You know, I, I, now now you get this this bit the the I don't know if the Reds organization will say this, but you know the 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 folks in the in the Cincinnati media who who like to help the organization explain their decisions will tell you, well, you can't get Lorenzen stretched out, and I, I was hearing this three weeks ago. Like, if you can't get a guy stretched out starting on March 10th, then you're never going to get the guy stretched out. Right. You know, in spring training, when you got five baseball games every day on different fields going, you can get him stretched out if you want to get him stretched out. So, for, for whatever reason, whether it's comfort or some kind of belief in his stuff or some kind of belief in his, his health, they, they're as wrong as I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're with hey, – you're, you're – your analysis on it is the same as those guys in the Reds front office, Dick Williams and the crew that have a lot more information than I do. So maybe there's some reason there why they don't think he can be successful as a starter. But yeah, when, when they found out early in camp that Homer Bailey and Anthony DeSclafani were going to be uh, out for a while, man, what a time to give him that shot. Just say, hey, let's stretch him out. Let's see. Uh, again, if if he doesn't succeed, you've got a relief pitcher that is stretched out a little bit can go two or three innings at a time and it makes it to me that's what they're talking about wanting to do with the bullpen as we'll talk about in a moment so i don't know um the next guy in the rotation and this is the probably biggest surprise uh coming out of spring training is a rookie davis the uh the, the swag we acquired in that legendary trade of Araldus chapman to the yankees now uh, is is this guy um is he in his first year in the major leagues? <laughs> he he is. He is in his first year. Why do you ask that question, Chris? Oh, uh, I just like heard the name Davis and figured. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Oh, how many awful puns are we going to make about his name this year? It's be I, I, well, I, we've got this year to make awful puns, and then next year we make even worse puns. Oh man! Then when he's like a ten-year veteran, they're going to be just insufferable. Davis. Yeah. That's true. As he becomes a veteran, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, so rookie what, Davis. Tell me about rookie Davis. I don't know anything. Okay, I rookie. Know he's got name. And uh, he came over from the Yankees in the Chapman deal, and that's it. Uh, Davis is a guy that 
and, and I'm going to actually sort of call myself out on it. When spring training started, I was talking to uh, Lance McAllister, actually. on the, I did, did a radio spot with him, and he said, what do you think about these guys, Ricky Davis and Sal Romano? And I said, ah, rookie. They're talking him up like he might be able to make the rotation. I just, I don't see any way that's possible. I said, he's going to probably be your opening day starter in Louisville. And I, he's, he, he made great strides last year. I think he's a guy that could be a, a real player. Well, he pitched great in uh, spring training, and everybody's just sort of raving about he's uh, gained velocity in the last 18 months to two years. So he throws hard. And everybody raves, what I was going to say, is everybody raves about his makeup. Uh, whatever that is, you know, but just that uh, he has an idea out there. He, now, you, I, I don't know how you quantify that. But the, so you're saying the young man has figured it out. <laughs> the young man has finally figured it out until he has a few bad starts, and we'll start hearing complaints. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think he, he's he been sort of the second tier of Reds' uh, pro- prospects when it comes to pitchers. You know, they sort of had this influx uh, from the Cueto trade and just a number of pitchers, uh, the leak trade, the uh, Curry Melia. Um, who supposed Adam Duvall ended up being the big piece out of that. But all these guys, uh, Amir Garrett and Robert Stevenson were drafted. There's this group of Reds prospects that we've been like, oh, wow, this is, this, you, some, something's got to come out of this group. And Davis and a guy named Sal Romano, who is going to be the opening day starter in AAA this year, in the last 18 months have just sort of bullied their way into that group. And I don't know what to expect from Davis. I expect he's going to be wildly inconsistent. I expect he's going to have some games where he's extremely dominant. Um, and I expect we're going to see what young pitchers do. He's going to he's going to struggle some, but I'm really looking forward to watching him a little bit closer because all the reports are from the last, like I say, about 18 months, are just that he's uh, he's turned the corner. And so who knows? Well, that's the kind of thing I want to see. I mean, honestly, I, I'm much more interested in in rookie Davis than no offense to Mr. Feldman, but uh, there there's there nothing Scott Feldman's going to show me that's going to excite me. Right. I, you know. But but there may be something Davis does. Yeah. So I'm all I'm all for uh, giving these young guys a shot. Next uh, guy in the starting rotation is uh, a guy that Jason Linden, our friend Jason Linden, says is I hate to call him out on this, but uh, the next Johnny Cueto, uh, Amir Garrett. Uh, now that's that's high praise. Amir Garrett's a left-hander as well. And doesn't yeah. look like he's tall so, and thin, and he doesn't look like Cueto, but eight, eight inches taller and throws <laughs> right. to a different hand. I'm interested yeah. to hear the details behind this comparison. Yeah, I'm going to pin uh, Jason down on that next time. Uh, <laughs> next time we get him out here, but but Garrett's a guy that just blew everybody away. I mean, one point something ERA in Double A last year, and at times was just dominant in Triple A. Had had a couple of really bad starts that uh, depressed his numbers a little bit, but Garrett is a guy. Uh, I guess out of this whole group, I, I would have said a year ago that Cody Reed was the guy that had the best chance of being a number one starter, and I've changed my mind. I think it, I think it is Garrett. He just he's he's nasty, and I, I'm really glad that they're ignoring the service time stuff right now and letting him uh, letting him start from the beginning. Yeah, I'm really interested to watch him. I mean, he he does seem to to uh, for a guy who was a college basketball player, so he probably I'm assuming he doesn't have as many innings on his arm and as much experience as. As most guys uh, his age, and he he'll, he'll be what he'll be twenty five in May. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know he he really has a good command of the strike zone. He strikes a lot of guys out. He doesn't walk a ton, and he he tends to keep people off the bases. So another pretty exciting thing. I mean, I, I I'm not expecting much out of him, but uh, everything I read says he's a, a real competitive kid and and a real coachable guy, and uh, I'm. Kind of interested to see how it, how it works out. Yeah, this is a season where the Reds, uh, and at the end I want to talk about maybe projections for, for wins and losses with you, but 
This is not a season where the Reds are projected to be serious contenders for the World Series. So this is the type of guy you want to watch this season. Let's. I, I think you can make it also sell it to the fans as well. We're going all in on these young guys. This is this is the next group, and we'll find out who can who pans out and who doesn't. But I think it's a lot easier to market a team like that. And he's a guy I'd much rather see him than than a Scott Feldman or or anyone. Uh, yeah, that other than Di Sclafani. Uh, or Homer Bailey, that's over the age of 25. So uh, bring it on. Looking forward to watching him. A big, tall left-hander, and we had a great clip of him uh, at Red Lake Nation uh, this weekend. I uh, found uh, on YouTube him dunking over a 7-2 guy when he was in high school. So he's probably the only Reds pitcher who can do that. I think, and that's – that's that. well, that since since Cueto's gone. <laughs> since Cueto's gone. Maybe, that's probably what Jason meant. <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, maybe Well, maybe Bronson Arroyo. Bronson Arroyo might be able to do that. Find a way. <laughs> so, uh, so Bronson Arroyo <laughs> looks like is going Bronson's, to be. Bronson's not on the roster, right? But Bronson is going to be in the rotation. This I, is a, yes. a a roster game right now, right? Yeah, I think he's uh, he pitched, he's, he stayed back and pitched in a minor league game in Arizona today, and they don't need a fifth starter for a while. But uh, all indications are that when they do need a fifth starter, it's going to be Bronson Arroyo, age ninety two, <laughs> hasn't pitched since two thousand and fourteen. This is the this is the coolest Reds comeback story since since the first Jose Rio comeback anyway. <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, nobody, I don't think anyone expects a whole lot out of Bronson Arroyo, but and and I've I understand that I I've, I've been excited about this because I, I love it. I think I, sometimes I let my heart get in the way a little bit. I know it's maybe not smart. Maybe give those starts to a guy like Cody Reed. But uh, yeah, it's just fun. I love watching Bronson Royo pitch. So I hope he, I hope he can get at least a couple months. Uh, uh, I'm the same way, and you know, there's a, I can rationalize it that that most of these young pitchers, as much as we want to watch them, they are going to have some kind of an innings cap or innings restriction. So uh, if if Bronson's able to give you 150 innings or something, and that takes a little bit of load off the younger guys, I'd I'd rather Bronson throw that 150 than whichever three relievers they could come up with to make up those innings. Yeah, I mean there there's a lot of innings in 162 games. Uh so yeah, having a Royal, I don't think it hurt. I don't hear especially after uh, Di Sclafani and Bailey went down, we're going to need some guys to chew up some innings. And I guess you give it to those young guys, but you're also it, run the risk of hitting those in, innings limits later and also taxing the bullpen uh, unnecessarily. Yeah, you know, if 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 Garrett, he's going to be up and down. Let's say Garrett goes 3 innings one day and the next day Cody Reed goes 2. Well, you've got yourself a bad situation, right? Yeah, so you need somebody even with a sixty-five man bullpen that they're carrying, <laughs> right? I think sixty. I think sixty-four. I think you're right. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> close. Uh, now, I saw a quote from uh, Brian Price, man, Reds manager Brian Price, this week, where he indicated that we're going to talk about the bullpen in a moment. But Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson are in the bullpen to start the year. Uh, and uh, he said, especially with, with respect to Reed, that he fully expects Reed to get starts early in the season, that they're going to try to mix and match some things. And they, that they're they not sending him to bullpen to be a reliever, that he, uh, he's still in the in the picture, and that uh, they, I think even in April they expect him to get some starts. So I would have probably uh, taken Reed over Rookie Davis in this starting rotation to start the year, but, hey, what do I know? Uh, don't, don't answer that. But uh, what, do you, what do you think about Reed? Has your opinion changed on him any since uh, he – screwed up everything last year in the major <laughs> no i don't think so i mean i i uh i will be real honest by the time cody reed came up and started screwing around i had checked out considerably on the reds in 2016 uh so i didn't i didn't watch that many of his starts i, I saw him get beat around a little bit and have some troubles but this is one of those where i was kind of in the the 
Greg Maddox school of thought where, you know, his stuff is really good and his minor league track record was really good. And everyone, you know, who I respect said he was really good. So I wasn't too thrown off by the fact that he had a rough time through the league the first couple of times. Yeah, not, I mean, it was really, it was really bad, but uh, not unexpected. So uh, we may touch on him again in a moment. Uh, let's let's go flip over to the bench, and then we'll go uh, back to the bullpen to finish this off. And and you mentioned the Reds had uh, uh, several dozen people in their bullpen, and then the necessary result of that is they only have four players on their bench right now. Uh, one's catcher Stuart Turner, who's here because Miserocco isn't ready just yet, and uh, although Price says may stick around later, he's he's a guy they got in the Rule Five draft from the Minnesota Twins organization. Utility player Arismendi Alcantara. Infielder, outfielder, do-it-all, handyman, fix-it guy Patrick Kivlihan. And the immortal, the the goat, as my son would say, <laughs> Scooter Jeanette, who the rest picked up uh, on waivers just this week. Uh, what kind of a bench is that? Uh, not much of one. <laughs> have you ever heard of any of those guys? I have not. I mean, Kivlihan, um, I try to be... Uh, I feel bad about this, but I didn't pay that much attention at the end of the last year. But every time I turned the game on, Kivlahan was doing something terrible. <laughs> he was striking out or kicking a ball in the outfield or throwing the ball over. I went down, I think, to the second-to-last game of the year, and he had a bad day then. And I, I just watched that guy, and I was like, oof. <laughs> There's got to be – he's a big, strong guy, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and what? He's 27 already. Yeah. So – you know, Patrick Kivelhan's time has come, I guess. Uh, so I don't know. Can he can he play all three outfield positions, or are they going to have to move Shebler around? Uh, I, I think they're going to move Shebler around and use Alcantara some uh, as well in like center field. Uh, let me say this about Kivelhan. I thought I was like you last year. I thought this is going to be a guy that we're going to look at Baseball Reference in about five or six years and say, I don't remember that guy at all. When did? I never expected him to be on the opening day roster for 2017. So, but he had a good spring, and and people were raving about the way he played defense on the infield. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how well he can play on the corner outfield spots, but I don't, he he I think he had a little pop. Uh, I, he's a bench guy. Could be worse, I guess. I don't know. Could be better, probably. I'm sorry. I I, I need to apologize to Patrick Kivelhan, but I, I kind of think he might need to apologize to me. He only had five at bats last year. Oh, really? So, so whatever, whatever <laughs> ridiculous perception I have of him, he formed in about a day and a half, or, <laughs> or I've confused him with somebody else. Yeah. But th- he was the guy who was he was like signed and then released and then signed and then released and he, like he bounced around a lot, right? At the yeah. End of the so, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was here and then he was not here and then uh, now he's back again. And uh, all right, well, who knows? Best to him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, um, he is what he is. He's no Skip Schumacher. Um, uh, well, Scooter let's Jeanette, though. Might, let's talk about who might be Skip Schumacher. Who might be Skip Schumacher? Scooter Jeanette. Reds picked him up off of waivers. Uh, I, you know, we make fun of Skip Schumacher. Scooter Jeanette's actually more of a legitimate uh, big league player. And I think a pretty good, could be a decent backup. He's still young. I think he'll be 27. He's been in the big leagues for four years. Uh, primarily as a starter with the Brewers. Um, I don't know, Scooter Jeanette. I can I can see it as a bench guy. It, it, it's a weird it's a weird deal because they just got rid of Brandon Phillips, who could only play second base, and you know who was a veteran. and And the idea was to clear the room for some of the other guys. 
And then they went and got Jeanette, who can really only play second base, as I'm told, and, uh, and you know, can hit a little bit and, and so forth. But it's just kind of a weird deal that they they, they made this big transaction, ate all the salary so they could clear the playing time for these younger guys. And now they got Jeanette in there, who I, I think he's going to play all right. And I, and I think he's a good bench player if you, if you need a left-handed bat and you don't need a lot of defensive flexibility. Well, uh, which yeah, four-man bench, it's tough. <laughs> That's the thing. Everybody has to be a little bit of a utility guy there. Everybody's got to have uh, some flexibility. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to – you know you know how the Reds have been. I won't say how they are because maybe it'll change. But, you know, the Reds for years have been the kind of team that a guy gets dinged up a little bit, and they all do, and he's going to miss 10 days. Well, they just kind of carry him on the roster rather than disable him for 15. And I don't see how they can do that anymore. Right. I, think I mean, that, if a guy misses, guy misses three days, they're going to have to send him out. They don't have because they don't have anyone to replace him. And and with the the DL being changed from a fifteen day to a ten day DL, it maybe makes it easier for them to make that call. But um, you mentioned Brandon Phillips with Scooter, and I, I think I've got a I'm going to speculate a little bit in just a moment about what why I think they may have acquired Scooter Jeanette. But uh, you mentioned Brandon Phillips; they actually gave Brandon Phillips' uh, jersey number four to scooter and that caused a lot of people a little bit of heartache uh, this weekend this week which i i don't know i kind of enjoyed i enjoyed it <laughs> but scooter here's my here's my guess and this is complete speculation but uh imagine if the reds think they're close to being able to deal zach cozart and we know they've been trying and they're going to continue to try to deal zach cozart if they're going to deal zach cozart they they're in a little bit of a precarious situation roster wise because there's nobody really at AAA ready to come up and take you the second base or the shortstop jobs other than Dilson Herrera, who's not ready. He's barely played any second base because of a shoulder issue. So temporarily, you move Parazza over to short. Scooter plays second uh, until Herrera's ready. Um, so that's my wild speculation that they think they may be close. And they don't, didn't want to be caught shorthanded. I guess they could have Al- Alcantara as your everyday second baseman in the uh, in the meantime but he you know he which i don't mind because i'm a, I'm a fan of his but i think they're counting him to be a super sub playing all over the diamond so yeah, shortstop billy hamilton short former he's a former shortstop why don't yeah why not bring him back in the end of the infield yeah uh, no that's not bad that's not that's not bad thinking at all that, that makes a little bit of sense uh they they certainly they certainly do lack for depth organizationally up the middle if they if they trade somebody yeah, yeah, but uh, on the other hand, if, if Herrera is ready, when he gets ready, that, that guy can hit. I think he can hit at the major league level right yeah. now. The question is whether he can play defensively. And uh, if he can, all of a sudden, move Peraza to shortstop. I don't know. It starts to look like a pretty good uh, pretty good yeah. infield. And I don't know if you noticed, but they got Eugenio Suarez some innings at shortstop this spring. A lot of innings. I um, did not notice that. Yeah, and so uh, that, that'll be interesting to see what decision they make when, when and if last year's uh, number one draft pick Nick Senzel is ready for the big leagues because he's a third baseman. So interesting, and they, they they could another way they could go with that is to move Duvall back there, right? They could, although Duvall turned into an almost Gold Glove left fielder, and by everyone's account, he was completely brutal at third base. Okay, um, which surprises me because he's really really good in left field, um, which surprised me as well because I'd been hearing yeah. since we required him that he was just a butcher at third base. So, but Brian Price did specifically mention, and I think Dick Williams did as well in an interview that I heard of hit with him, that uh, in a pinch, Duvall could come in and play third. So they, they've not closed the book on that. So I don't know. 
We'll see. Um, Alcantara, you love you some Arizmendi Alcantara. I have no idea who this gentleman is. <laughs> well, then I'm going to ask you to uh, read Red Leg Nation sometime because I wrote a piece about Arizmendi Alcantara, in which I compared his minor league uh, stats, production, uh, along with his prospect ranking up through the uh, the minor leagues, and it com- correlates very closely with that of a, a young prospect that was in the Expos and then Indians organization named Brandon Phillips. I did, I did read that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that was last I year. Was, I was mostly convinced. <laughs> well, it was I, – I was, I was. I was convinced, and I was like, well, there's got to be something going on because I've never heard of this guy before. Well, it's – you know, it was. I was sort of reaching a little bit. Um, just to show people, though, that uh, Phillips was considered a bust for a while. Arizmendi Alcantara could turn into something – um, I think he's probably going to be a solid uh, bench guy. He's got a, a little bit of a bat, not a bad bat, and he can play all over the diamond. Now, he doesn't ex- necessarily excel anywhere that I've seen uh, around the diamond defensively, but he's passable at five different positions. So, And, and this is a guy who was a, a, a Cubs prospect yeah, originally? Big, yeah, top 30 prospect in the big leagues at one time. I mean, he was, he was a, the real deal. Um, and came up early, I think at age 21, maybe he made his debut in the majors and then sort of fizzled out, and he's been bouncing around since then, went to the A's. Um, I, I, I think that's the type of guy the Reds needed to take a flyer on because he's still just, I think, 25. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's the kind of guy the Reds need to be given a chance. See what, see if he can become somebody. If he can become a solid bench guy, then, heck, he's this generation's uh, Luis Quinones. Every generation needs one. <laughs> Every generation does. Where's Alcantara? Um, <laughs> so only only Reds fans of a certain vintage will get that reference. Yeah. But you have to own a VHS tape. <laughs> yes, you have to have been around in the VHS era to understand that. Boy, I wore that uh, VHS tape out. Uh, Reds bullpen. We already mentioned Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson. And let's, let's just dip into that really quickly because the big – controversy is oh gosh here we go again the chapman the glacius lorenz they send these great pitchers to the bullpen and they're uh never heard from again and i'm of two minds the on the one hand i think it's a really good idea the cardinals have done this well for years and uh you know going back to earl weaver and sparky anderson both did it uh i think it's a good idea to let some of your uh, young starting pitchers get their feet wet in the major leagues in the bullpen a little bit less pressure uh get to learn how to get major league hitters out Man, I've been singing this song for a decade or more. The The Orioles of the 1970s did this all the time. Every one of their top prospects would come up. He'd go in the bullpen for half a year, for a year, a little bit more than a year, get innings, learn how to make get out to the major league level. And then eventually when a spot opened up, he'd move into the rotation, and he was ready to hit the ground running. And And I don't know why that kind of fell out of favor, but you know, now it seems like there are two career paths, and they, they never – they never mix right. once you're in one. Um, you know, obviously some guys get in a career path in college and stick with it. But uh, I'm completely supportive of putting both those guys in the bullpen. As long as they get some real innings and get a chance to get some experience, I'm all for it. Because you, you said earlier, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be circumstances. You know, the five guys penciled in the rotation right now are not going to make – 162 starts right yeah and and i think if also if price 
is open to using these guys as what they used to call a swing man back in the day. You know, uh, pitches out of the bullpen can come in and make a start occasionally when the, when you need a guy, uh, especially early in the season. I I think it's fine. And I actually I'm the same as you. I love the idea in principle, uh, but. I've got that little bit of uh, skepticism because we've seen the Reds send these great pitchers down to the bullpen never to be heard from again. And so uh, maybe that's, that's – I'm certain that's making me more cynical than I should be because I think on its service it's a really good idea to – rather than have them in AAA, they've already proven they can get AAA hitters out, especially Cody Reed. Let them see if they can get major league hitters out. Yeah, the thing the, – the, the bigger problem I have in the short term is how they're going to get innings for eight guys in the bullpen. <laughs> I just don't understand how it's supposed to work. I, I don't – it makes no sense to me. I, don't, I mean, there's there's nine innings in a baseball game, and they have eight relief pitchers down there. Yeah. I, I can't defend it. I have no idea, especially when it weakens your bench so substantially. They could have kept Desmond Jennings, who's a legitimate major league backup, a really good defensive player at all uh, three outfield positions, and they had to basically let him cut him loose because they wanted to keep this many, many yeah. uh, pitchers. They're going to have three – I mean, you know, the, the backup catcher is, is kept under glass – and you cannot break in case of emergency. Right. So they're going to have the chance to pinch hit three times in a game. Gosh. I think that when Mesoraco's ready, here's my prediction, is that uh, they'll get uh, they'll move a, a reliever to the to AAA. Yeah, that makes sense. And they'll keep three catchers. I think they'll keep three with the idea that Tucker Barnhart or Mesoraco could be a pinch hitter, and the one you keep under glass would be Stuart Turner. Yeah, that makes so, sense. That's my guess. But then that's you still don't have any flexibility off your bench. If you do that, you've got three catchers. Um, here, here's why I'm maybe a little optimistic that the Reed and Stevenson being in the bullpen, that that idea is uh, not doomed to end in the, in the way we've seen with Iglesias and Lorenzen and, and Chapman. And that is the bullpen that these guys are being put into, on, on the surface here, on paper, looks like a lot better bullpen than the Reds had when Iglesias and Lorenzen were banished there in the last couple of years when the Reds had a brutal bullpen. It looks like a lot better bullpen. Yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking as I'm sitting here looking at this list. You know, there's there's just not going to be a chance for Reed and Stevenson to do the kinds of things in the bullpen that make managers that turn into a security blanket for a manager. They're just, you know what I mean? There, exactly, there's not yes. enough high leverage innings where Stevenson and Reed are going to come in and bail them out and strike out the side that they just can't do without it. Because just, the, right, because those those innings are going to be taken by Roselli Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen and, and you, conceivably Drew Store and they brought him in to do some of that. So yeah, um, yeah, not enough. Where oh gosh, we've got to have that guy in the bullpen. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, they're, you know they're, they're not going to get so attached to the way Reed pitches the fifth and sixth <laughs> right. that they're just going to have to keep him in that role. Boy, we got to have him there for the fifth inning uh, <laughs> every nine days. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like, that's a very good point, and and that's what I'm hopeful about. It's just it's a it's a better bullpen than we've seen in a few years, and I know the bullpen was the source of uh, all of us beating our head against the wall the last, especially last year. But a lot of those guys are gone, and a lot of names that we won't remember uh, for a long time. The AJ Morris's and the, the dearly departed, bless his heart, JJ Hoover. And is AJ uh, Morris a guy? Uh, he's a real guy. He's a real player. Bitch for the Reds last year. <laughs> the Josh Smiths and these guys. Um, you know, even even the guys that you may or may not have heard of that the that did make the Reds bullpen, uh, a guy named Barrett Aston, uh, who, yeah. uh, and he came over in of all trades. He was a really young guy. I think came over from Milwaukee when the Reds traded Jonathan Broxton. Remember that guy? 
Oh my gosh, <laughs> Big Jonathan <Cincy> Brock. Brooks. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and but Aston has been pretty good in the minor leagues. I mean, I think he's a legitimate relief pitcher. Um, and the other guy's Wandy Peralta, who I'm not as high on as the Reds seem to be, but I think one of those guys, Peralta or Aston, are going to uh, are going to be destined for AAA once Mesoraco's ready. But Iglesias, Drew Storen, Michael Lorenzen, Blake Wood, who had a good year last year, Tony Singrani, that's a that's a decent core for a bullpen. It's not gonna it's not uh you know, I don't know who am I thinking of the Yankees bullpen last year, uh when they had uh Bat- Batonsis and yeah. uh, who all they had, but it's a good one. Certainly the, you know, if you if you ha- if you happen to to be a minimalist and cut it down to five or six guys, it would be a pretty good bullpen. You'd like every one of them. Well, they're yeah, they're guys now the, that can that can really uh, they got some guys with talent which we haven't always had out there. We've had guys that kind of just ended up there and scrap heap the oh I already forgot the, Ross Olendorf. No more Ross Olendorfs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the question to me is going to be whether Brian Price follows through with uh, his threat to use these guys in a creative manner. And he said that a few times, and Dick Williams said it as recently as this week. If they want to try using guys two and three uh, innings at a time and, and maybe earlier in the game at, in high-leverage situations. And I, I still am skeptical. I, I'm not uh, anti-Brian Price by any means, but I just don't know that very many major league managers are going to be willing to do something so out of the box. Uh, but, man, if there's ever a team to do it, this is the year for the Reds. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, why not? I mean, the, the, you talk about high-leverage situations – there, there really aren't going to be any this year. I mean, I know by the definition in a particular game there will be, but who cares? Right. You know? Yeah. And Yeah, I, I you know, if like I mentioned, you know, let's say Cody Reed comes in in the fifth inning one night, and Cody Reed pitches a good fifth and a good sixth, I might let Cody Reed bat in the <laughs> bottom of the sixth and keep him going and just let him pitch until he's worn out. Right, you well, know, if it's if it's a mop up game or something like that, like why not? Exactly. Even if it's not a mop up game, what, what are you going to hurt for the Reds end up having one more loss than they would? Yeah, have no, a, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine a situation where Cody Reed's coming in the bullpen in the fifth sure. inning. Uh, that's and that's probably going to be a yeah. You're right. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way um, Brian Price uses this bullpen, whether he follows through with that threat. Because I could really see him using Storin as his traditional closer because he's been a closer before. Uh, and if he decides he wants to do that, he's got Iglesias and Lorenzen who can he can mix and match them for multiple innings and in high leverage situations, and I think could be exceptionally valuable relievers. Because as much as I want to see both those guys in the in the rotation, the reason why is because they're talented; they can pitch. Yeah, I, I sure would love to see a, a, a repeat of a, what you know, late '90s, early 2000s Reds when you had you had two or three guys in the neighborhood of 100 innings out of the bullpen pitching well. And that came out of nowhere because it was an old guy, the manager that that decided to do that in in, in Jack McKeon, if you remember. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are. I don't know. I feel like there's. I'm an optimistic enough that there's a a wave of innovation in baseball. Um, you know, the non-public wave of innovation by and large now, but that Dick Williams and and by extension Brian Price may have the the guts to try a few things that are a little bit different and, and see how it works out. Yeah, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the direction of this front office. And uh, maybe, maybe what we saw in the bullpen last year with some, some managers using their relievers, I specifically think of Andrew Miller, in uh, different situations than you'd ordinarily see for a shutdown reliever. Uh, the timing may be right for something like that. And what really encouraged me was I, I heard uh, I heard Brian Price 
uh, excuse me, uh, Dick Williams, the res general manager this week. And you may not have heard this, but I want to, I want to get your take on it. He said his dream would be to have 12 pitchers and no starters, no relievers. You just use them for however you got, how many ever they got that day. And, uh, just uh, mix and match, and that's sort of his his dream is to find the twelve best pitchers he can find and uh, blur the roles so much that they're using them only based on what's good for the, the team today. And uh, I'm not really describing it as well as he did, I guess. But uh, what do you I'd think like about to that? Because my 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 imagination doesn't extend quite that far. I'm not sure how you how you tell a guy. 15 minutes for the game that he's going to throw six or seven innings. But uh, I, I like the, I like the way he's thinking. I like the direction. Well, the idea is that uh, studies have shown that pitchers are uh, much more uh, successful the first time through a lineup than they are the second time and the third time. Everybody, except for your Hall of Famers. And so the idea was as often as possible, limit your pitchers to only going through the lineup one time before you switch it up and uh, how that would work. And he was sort gotcha. of he was sort of daydreaming a little bit, I think, when he said yeah. that. But I love the idea that, that this organization behind the scenes is willing to think outside the box. They're not well, going to do that, but it's it's encouraging. You you could I mean, yeah, you know, you could do something like a a three man rotation or a four man rotation where you don't expect more than one of the guys to go very far through the through the game. Yeah. You know, and they just do they do their three or four innings and then bam they're ready to go two days later. Do the same thing again. I, I think it's interesting. And again, I just I I think it's fascinating that the Reds who we've kind of complained a little bit over the years have been behind the curve of sabermetrics and some of the player analytics and all that are I think demonstrably moving forward. Now, everybody else has as well, so you know they may still be behind the curve. I don't know, but I'm encouraged. Yeah. So, all right. Do you have a prediction for me? Let's talk about your prediction for the Reds' record this year. Reds' yes. record. <laughs> do you have a prediction? I think Billy Hamilton has an outside chance at the Reds' single season stolen base record. <laughs> well, actually, I think that's true. I think that's true. If he can stay healthy, that's only key. That's the only thing with him. Um, yeah. Um, that's probably the only record I can think of that's that's <laughs> going to be in danger. Uh, wins and losses, let's say uh, seventy-two and ninety. Seventy-two and ninety. Man, you're not optimistic at all. Is that not optimistic? <laughs> it's it's kind of sad that that actually could be characterized as optimistic. <laughs> it shows you where we are. Um, I, I predict I mean, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose a hundred. Exactly. Hey, look, and, it, and one more win. They're not even going to lose 90 under that circumstance. They could just get one more win. Uh, I predicted a, a couple of months ago that they'd win 81 games this year, and that was before Di Sclafani was hurt, and that was before Homer Bailey was – I never should have counted on him anyway. And, and I could see the dominoes falling in a way that the Reds could be 500 this year. Um, I am probably, probably should back off that. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance they can avoid 90 losses, which would be substantial progress because, you know, about a year ago we thought they'd get 110 losses. Um, but it's not about wins and losses this year. But I'm going to stick with 81 and 81 just because I want to, although I'm eh, questioning whether that's even well, the best case yeah. scenario possible. But. I mean, you know, I guess my estimate is based on the idea that Discofani, Mazzarocco, and Bailey don't play a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just looking at the roster as it, I see it today. <laughs> and they may not. I wouldn't count on any of them. Yeah, the unbalanced schedule is tough, man. I mean, that's a lot of games against the Cubs and Cardinals. I know. I know. And the Pirates aren't terrible either. And, and that's the thing about this. I don't see – I think the Cardinals have maybe taken a little bit of a step back to the pack. 
And I think if the Reds had had everybody healthy, I think they had an outside chance at uh, second place this year because those four teams behind the Cubs, I guess if you squint a little bit, um, are more closely bunched than they have been in past years. But I think this is a, a, a division with a lot of teams, you know, the, the Brewers management, the, the young GM they hired, he's got that organization going in the right direction. I really think he – I'm worried about the Brewers. The Cubs are the Cubs, you know. The Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're they're always in, in the mix. And the Pirates have been run uh, well lately. So I could see this being – like you say, the, the unbalanced schedule may hurt the Reds because this could be a pretty good over the next three, four years even, a really tough division. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd rather play the Padres 18 times. <laughs> yes, please. Uh well, any other thoughts about the upcoming season, Chris Garber? No, I, I'm I'm like we said enough. I, I'm excited to see some of these young players and see what they're what they're like and who they, you know, they'll all be their own guys, but they may remind us of some guys we've seen in the past, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be very fun. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it because it is it's a little different than the last couple of years where it's been, oh, we know we're going to be awful. But this year we got some young guys and some some hope, uh, and and the Reds aren't going to make the playoffs, but at least you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I wish I had mentioned this at the top of the podcast because by this point in this long rambling conversation, I'm sure no one's still listening to us, Chris, but uh, didn't you write a book? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I wrote half a book. <laughs> right. Yeah, we wrote a book as, as we d- discussed uh, the, probably the last time you were on the podcast, and uh, that publication date's been pushed back a little bit, but it's still, it's still out there. It's going to be published, and we're still excited about it. I'm no less excited about it anyway than I was. It's still a very good book. I think it is, and I, I we're, we're biased. Today. I was reading it again today. Oh, man. You've read it 30 times now. You just keep reading it over and over. Nothing else, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a little bit more I need to read on it uh, this week. But it's a uh, – I don't know. I am – I'm lucky. I'm, I'm very proud of it. I can't wait for it to come out. The book, of course, is The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, published by Triumph Books. All right. It'll be in all your finest bookstores very soon, we hope. We'll let you know exact dates once we get them. Chris, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Always fun talking to you. My pleasure. All right. As you know, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. You can find us on wherever you find all your podcasts. Wherever you go, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, uh, leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind. It helps other people find us, as I always say as well. If you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. Uh, recommend us to other people. If you don't like us, why have you listened this far into the podcast, first of all? And, and just keep your mouth shut. Uh, for Chris Garber, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.